Hello, and welcome to Come Towards Delight, the podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gregson. My mission is to find everyday people who are delightful. The people I interview have attractive energy and a positive outlook on life. And I want to give them a platform to share their stories so that others can have hope in the midst of their struggles and see delight in a world that at times can seem gloomy. I will uncover the life experiences of the guests that I interview, which have enabled them to look at life in such an inspiring and delightful way, with the belief that to understand the light, one has to be acquainted with the dark. My guests will share their personal experiences on finding their way through dark and hopeless times and give us a glimpse into the powerful gifts they received in their darkest hours to rise up, take up hope, and view life through new, hope-filled eyes. Is it possible that in our darkest hours, we are given a gift to find the light which leads to our greatest delights? Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Come Towards Delight, the podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gregson, and I've got one of my childhood BFFs with me tonight, Mr. Tony Pizza. Bro, I could not be more excited to talk to you, man. I'm excited to talk to you, too. Like, you just kind of come in and out of my life in these little waves and these moments and stuff like that, and in these really cool ways. And I've I've known that you're still there and connected to some people that I know. And so it's really cool that we've found this place to come together. I'm weird like that, man. I'm always watching <laughs> Tony. I'm, I'm always aware. I, I, when, we, when we first hopped on uh, this call, we, of course, we talk before we start the podcast and we get caught up and stuff. And, and I had this, I told Tony, I, 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 we were in second, third and fourth grade together in a school in holiday, Utah, it was called holiday, holiday elementary school. And I had this, as I was thinking about the podcast and having a conversation with you, my thoughts went to, for some odd reason, haircuts back in the early eighties, or this would have been mid eighties to late eighties. Right. Mm -hmm. And I swear you had a mullet, bro. Like I was like, I pictured you with a mullet. And, uh, anyway, and then right when I had that thought, I immediately thought, Yes, but I was the kid with a bowl cut that looked just like Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dumber. And, uh, you know, those were just the hairstyles back then, man. Uh, yeah, right. But I'm so, I'm so glad to have you um, on the podcast with me. And it's been a lot of fun for me to watch your journey recently. Obviously, we all go through transitions in life. We all go through difficult, hard um, growing moments. Um, and we go through some happy and, and joyful moments and, and moments where we really shine and connect and, and really try and, you know, give back a little bit because we feel like we've been given so much. And, and, and I, I don't know that I necessarily know about all those growing pains you went through. And I think we're going to talk through some of those things tonight, but to see where you're at right now um, and the energy that you live your life with and that I can feel from you, um, just so excited when I reached out to you to hear that um, you were excited to be, you know, to join me on the podcast and really talk through life and, and what you've learned. And, and you guys, uh, listeners, I just want you to know, um, Tony, Tony's a fun one to follow. Um, just the approach to life, it, it's it's very robust, if you will. I think I think you've been through a lot of things that have given you a, a really cool view on how the way the world works. And, and it's not necessarily like a 
structured religious type of view. It's more of a light and goodness and love. And, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but Tony, I'm thrilled to have you on, man, because you're such a good guy. And I just feel like, I feel like you're very authentic and you're very, um, you've come to terms with where you are, who you are, and your approach is awesome because you really do try and find edifying things and also put yourself in a place where you can edify others, if you will. Is that, am I, am I pretty good with that? I mean, I, I, I can't say that I see all those things about myself, but I, I absolutely appreciate you saying those things. I, I mean, I even want to return the compliment really quickly and just say how much I appreciate you inviting me on here and feeling like there's a place where I, I can add value. Um, I look at what you're doing and, and appreciate it on two levels. Um, number one, the way that you're looking at life and finding that optimistic value is, is such an important part of life right now. And I, and I think that that's awesome. The way that you're going out and searching and actually doing something, creating this space and stuff like that. It's so cool. And as we were talking about a little bit earlier, there's not a lot of males out there that arrive in this space the way that you do. Um, Being authentic, being open, um, being as spiritual, spiritual as you are and stuff like that. So I, I have to compliment you on that, that just showing up in this space is so cool to see someone like you creating a space. And so I want to tell you, I appreciate that a lot. Thanks, man. I'm, I'm still the dude that gets up in, in LDS church fast and testimony meetings and I bear my testimony and I cry, but it's not my fault, man. There's dust all over the microphones, gets in your eyes. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you. Just, Someone's got to use that tissue. In the <laughs> hey, you know, I may, I may throw some of my pockets when I walk down, but no, I, you know, I appreciate that. Thank you so much for saying that. It means a lot to me. And, and um, yeah, I'm so grateful to have you on tonight. So tell us about yourself. Let's, let's start off. Gosh, how do you define someone? I grew up in Utah, so I had kind of a, a, a typical exposure into the Mormon church. I, um, my parents divorced when I was pretty young. So I spent some time living with my grandparents. That was really my Mormon church sort of experience. And then, you know, lived with my dad most of the time. So growing up definitely had exposure to what going to church was like, not going to church and felt like I kind of had life thrown at me in a bunch of different facets and stuff like that. And maybe that's been probably one of the best gifts, having this open-minded perspective of getting a little bit of everything sort of thrown at you. Went through high school pretty normally and then decided I needed to get some sort of college education and we were pretty poor. So I decided to join the Marines and that was kind of a big motivating factor and just feeling some sort of camaraderie. I remember um, being asked like which branch of the uh, the military to join. I was like, uh, the Marines they're like, why? And I'm like, cause it's the hardest, like the challenge <laughs> and stuff like that. So after that, um, gosh, I, I guess I didn't even really expect to bring this up, but it was really hard being away from home for the first time. I, I I'm assuming that most people, when they get away from home for the first time, have a, a pretty challenging time with that. And, uh, I remember one of the big, biggest challenges for me is feeling so alone in so many different ways. Um, being in a very controlled environment of the military, living in San Diego, which is beautiful, but just feeling so, so homesick. 
And I remember like reestablishing myself in the church when I was in the Marines, mostly because it just, it felt so, uh, so much at home. Yeah. Something to ground yourself, right? <clears throat> Absolutely. Ended up uh, dating my, my kid's mom for a little while when she moved down and we actually ended up getting married in the temple, which is something that like, I definitely don't regret, but I, I definitely wasn't prepared for all of that. I, I definitely got married without really understanding what that was. And it kind of set the tone for my life is doing stuff that other people would be proud of and doing people that would doing things that would nurture other people. And I later came to find out that that was both a good thing because I cared about it, how other people felt, but it was totally how I was getting my self-identity is by doing things that would make other people happy and being a nurturer and being someone that cared for other people. And then finding out that that doesn't really fill the void. It's kind of like having expectations over you, right? But not really understanding what those expectations are and feeling the friction of what those expectations are for you, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah and, and I imagine everybody goes through that to some extent. And my experience of that was just, you know, I want people to like me. I want to be a good person to other people. So finding out how I could serve other people best was really fulfilling on one hand. And on the other hand, um, there was a lot about myself that I was ignoring and ignoring. And once another person's needs were taken care of, I'm like, all right, like, where does that leave me? And a very, very empty, vacant feeling. Um, that's interesting, Tony. And and I, I can I, I gotta stop you right there for just a second. So you naturally had this thing in you where you felt like you wanted to nurture others. You wanted to, you loved other people, you wanted to uplift, but but you weren't even getting that for yourself. Like you never felt that back for yourself. Is that is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. I, I mean, in some ways I definitely did, but there's I mean, there's a ton of insecurities that I grew up with there was, you know, like feelings of inadequacy just in a lot of different. So my, I would say that my self-reflection of myself, a lot of going into the military was to prove to myself something that I didn't know about myself yeah. already. Um, and so everything that I kind of did sort of fit into that pattern of, of trying to fill that void. Um, and I, you know, would get some momentum, like going into the church and doing things, but but also there was this inner part of me that always would notice friction or, or notice when something didn't quite feel right. You know, it, it, I kind of would relate it to being in a back alley and you know, something's not quite right. Yeah. But you don't exactly know what isn't right. Yeah. But you just have kind of that gnawing, gnawing feeling. And I think that we have this self, uh, this, this soul that recognizes some of those things. And I would say that that's kind of a, a common theme in my life is just recognizing that, but there is some, some absolutely dark times that that presented me with trying to on one hand do what was right by others and at the same time being a little bit unconscious with how I destructive I was being both inwardly and then couldn't really uh, marrying those two things together isn't it isn't it interesting how we all I think I think as we grow and with those with those expectations that are over us we sometimes we do get those from parents or or from culture, if you will, in the places that we come from. Um, or sometimes we grow those expectations in our own brains, right? Um, but man, when you when you kind of come face to face with those expectations and, and all of a sudden you see your future not 
fulfilling those expectations, that's like a, that's like a trial period for all of us, man. That's like, really, when you look yourself in the mirror and you're like, who am I? Like, Mm -hmm. do I love myself? Do I, what do I want? And, and sometimes we don't know those answers at the time. I will tell you this though, going back to what you said earlier about wanting to be somebody who nurtured other people. Um, I remember back in grade school, man, um, you were always one of those people that made me feel better about myself. Like, and as young kids, that's not, that's not something you get all the time from friendships. You usually feel a lot of energy around certain people and, and it's, you just have fun with certain people. But like, I remember Tony, I always really liked you because one thing I could count on is I'd feel better about myself when I'd hang out with you. It's like, you actually cared about me even back then, which is hard to do. Right. So that, right. that's just a part of you. But, and that's cool. And I, I would say the same thing about you. Like the smile always being on your face is something I remember whether we were playing basketball or in class, like you're just a, it, it's, it's interesting how the, that polarity like really doesn't leave. And it, and it kind of shows you that there's a, there's a piece of you, I would call it your inner child, but there's a piece of you that has been you since you were conceived in this world. And that, that piece of you hasn't really changed. It's been pretty consistent. And I think that's amazing about all of us. And I, you and I were talking and I'm like, I, and I was actually talking to my mom about this today. Like we grow up as these little kids and then the world just sort of happens to us and kind of this layer kind of cakes us all, uh, all up in the world. And we spend a lot of our time trying to establish what we are when we kind of are who we are as a young kid. And then we spend a lot of our time in the 20, our twenties and thirties, and maybe even our forties wiping away the world to figure out who we were when we were smaller and, and younger and stuff like that. Amen, man. I, geez. So like, I, I remember I had this thought the other day and, and I'm getting off track and I want to come back to you in just a second. But um, I was thinking back to my childhood and I remember like, I was the kid that would always like walk up to my friends in the hall in school. And, and I'm talking about young, young grade. Right. And I put my arm around them while we're walking just like, Hey buddy, what's up? Like my buddy, it's my pal. And, and I remember as I got older, like I've, I was told by people very close to me, like, don't do that to people. You know, don't mm-hmm. do that. To, if you do that, especially don't do it to girls. Cause they'll think you have a crush on them. I'm like, I remember having a conversation with someone right very close to me. And I said, that's who I am. And somehow I got detached from that. And, and, but that's who I am, man. Like I'm the guy that like, I want, if I'm, if I'm walking with you, I'm going to put my arm around and be like, what's up, man? How are you? Like, right. Right. That's, that's well, who- and, and I think we could even go back and ask the question, like, how do you know that that's who you are? Because that's what feels good. It's not, there's no ulterior motive. There's no, I, I need other people to be friends with. It's like, that's who I am because that's who I naturally feel like being. That's what makes me feel the best. And yeah, if you can answer that question, that that's what makes me feel right inside, like that is who you are. Yeah. I love it. That's, that's fun. That was fun to talk about. Okay. Keep going. Yeah. So even just kind of on that thread, um, I I think the church is a, is a fine place. And even, you know, I'm kind of backtracking, but I, there's something that felt really good about it. There, there's a spirituality in everything. And that thread of spirituality felt right. It felt like home. It reminded me of what it was like to be around my family and stuff like that. But as my wife at the time, we, we had a daughter and stuff like that. There was something that felt off at the same time. And 
I remember having a talk with my my grandma and grandpa. We were in St. George and I had stopped through on my way to California to visit them. And I was just questioning, like, you know, what happens to all these good people that that don't get to go to heaven? And that question was never really answered for me in a way that I agreed with. And and my perception of of God was this omnipotent, omniscient being who if he really was that way and could see all of the lines of our good acts and knowing the cause and root of our bad acts and stuff like that, that kind of God couldn't possibly be the wrathful God that I had, that I had heard about. And there is this light and loving presence that I feel like, I I think you mentioned in a sacrament meeting, like getting up there. And when you speak and those tears start coming, that's the love, that's the connection with, with the spiritual world that I was in love with. But then there was this other aspect that was kind of denying that piece. And like, you know, almost like that's permission rather than just sort of natural to to tap into that. And so I never really got a good answer about what happens to good people when they die, if they don't believe in that faith. And I think that's kind of what started to create enough friction. And, and so I would say that after I got out of the military and even when I was away in Kuwait, that some pretty dark times came up. And this is where I started to recognize the, the hole that was being left in me. And I was doing a lot of self-worth and satisfying it through making other people happy, trying to be the perfect son, husband, brother, sister, whatever. And I realized that I really didn't know myself. Um, And things would come up. Um, There was a constant nag of mine to reach out to other people and feel my worth and feel Mm. my value. So if this came through, yeah, right. If this came through being funny, then I would do what it took to be funny. If it Mm. came through being ridiculous and doing the stupid dare, like I have a burn on my arm from, from when my friends and I got drunk when I came back home. And it was just because, you know, I wanted to look like that person that could, that, that stood out and did something and I wanted to be noticed. Yeah. Um, and so that started to take the form of um, females, um, particularly people that, you know, could find me attractive or whatever. And I started to find my value um, through that. And there are little friendships and stuff like that that developed that were really quickly squashed, but only because I was being caught, not because yeah. I was, you know, being forthcoming. And so long story short, I got into college, um, was working at a newspaper uh, for a college newspaper and um, finally went a step beyond. I, w- I would attribute to drug usage where you're doing kind of recreational stuff and eventually you just need the next fix. Yeah. And so I kind of went across the line and um, had an affair on, on my wife while I was working at the college newspaper. That took me to probably one of the darkest places of my life. That's hard, man. That's hard. I, I got to come back to something real quick before we go forward. Sure. You said something that I, I just want to have a little dialogue around, if that's okay. Um, sure, yeah. That idea of God, that, that in the space that you were in, to ask the question, what happens to good people when they die? And then the understanding that God is omniscient 
and omniscient, meaning he knows the beginning from the end. He knows perfectly what's going to happen. And, and for him not to allow certain really good people into heaven just because they haven't had they, they didn't do something while they were on earth that would allow that gate to open for them. I just got to say, um, like that is something in the spiritual that doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel right. Because basically what you're saying, Tony, is you're saying God knowing all put some kids down here that he loved, but he didn't want them home. And so knowing what they were going to do throughout their lives, he kind of provided a way where it was like, well, hey, you're not going to do this ordinance or covenant, right? Those are some of the words we hear or uh, that we know in, in the Christian religion. But because you didn't get those things done or you didn't take a part in those, unfortunately, you, you can't come home. So him knowing that, to me, that makes that would make God an awful person. And the spirit does not in any way confirm that in, in my heart, in my life. And, and I think I think that's a really good thing to bring up. And I'm sorry to kind of go back to that space. But I but I just feel like, hey, listen, you know, for any person that is a believer in God, if you can't answer that question for somebody else by by saying, look, God loves all his children. It doesn't matter if you're a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, if you're Jewish, if you're Baptist, if you're Pentecostal, it doesn't matter if you're if you're Muslim, whatever. If you're a good person and you have a good soul and you try your best to connect and uplift, then you're damn right that person's going to be in heaven. And, and if you don't think that's the case, then I don't think you're paying attention. Oh, for sure. And, and I would use, I would use slightly different language that makes sense to me, but I, I feel like you and I are speaking about the same thing in, in maybe slightly different languages is like just even looking at how nature is governs the, the world and stuff like that. If, if this is a manifestation of God or, or the universe or whatever, the way this world is governed is not by these strict man-made judgment rules. It's, positive and negative attraction down from the molecular level all the way up to the weather patterns and all this stuff and the balance in the life that we live is not in good and bad it's in positive and negative both playing a vital role in creating all of this stuff that doesn't mean to say that we need bad people on earth so that we have good people but we are complex human beings that have this dance within us that's as beautiful as the dance that's going on, on around us. And we're all, you know, playing a sort of a vital role in that. And if, if the bad and the good and all the things in between aren't part of that symphony, then like, then an omniscient, omnipotent God didn't create this. The way you articulate is very picturesque. I get like a really good image in my mind when you talk, man. It's good stuff. <laughs> I like it a lot. So, okay, let's go back to that space real quick. So you, you, go through some difficult things. You kind of cross a boundary in a marriage that puts you in a, in a bad place in your life. So what, so what happens at that point? Uh, and I'll be really honest with you. There is a part of me that felt liberated in the sense that I was listening to something that I wanted. And then there was the deep pit of shame 
in knowing what this was doing to my family, what it was doing to another person, that this wasn't sustainable. And I didn't recognize it at the time, but I realized that it was it was even a false sense of just that reaching out to be important to somebody else without knowing who I was. Mm-hmm. And so the the shame, it, it only took a couple of days, but the shame like overwhelmed me. I distinctly uh-huh. remember finishing up this newspaper at like 1.30 in the morning and um, there had been an incident that you know took place. So I won't go into the details of it, but um, I was driving home and felt so strongly that just driving it off the bridge would be the best solution. And, and honestly, like I wasn't like in this ball of tears at that moment, but I was just, I I felt the the pit of my stomach lower than I've ever felt it. And it just, it felt disgusting and sick. I, I, I felt completely at odds with myself. It was literally like my spirit had left, my soul had left my body mm. and was just kind of looking at that, like not, not in a shame, like you're disgusting, but just in a, these two things aren't going together, like oil and water being separated, but having to share the same space. Yeah. Interesting. It was a couple of months before I admitted it to my wife at the time. And I just, I literally couldn't live with that feeling anymore. And I, I kind of got to the point where I was like, if I admit it and she ends it, then that's what it was meant to be. And if she stays, then that was what it was meant to be. But what can't be anymore is for me to live in this turmoil. Yeah. And, and it was a, it was a decision that I, that I had to make and I didn't, I was no longer in control. I was in control of what started it. I wasn't in control of what the result was but I literally had to kind of like free myself uh, of that burden of, of having it sort of over my head. And at the time it was the scariest thing I'd ever done, but I, I really believe that bravery is about facing those things that you are truly afraid of doing and trusting that the universe has your back and wherever it carries you to on the other side was exactly what it was meant to be. And ironically, it's, it, it took me a long time after that, but I would say that that kind of planted the seed of what soon became, you know, facing who I was and, and who I wasn't sort of figuring that out. There's something very real about truth, our own truth, right? When we feel like we have to hide things or that we can't talk about who we are openly, things don't progress at that point it's like we are always going to be held back and it's our own selves that are holding us back. But when, when we can talk about things freely and talk about our feelings and, and why we're in the spaces that we are shameful or not to ourselves or to other people, it's empowering, it's enabling, and, and it allows us to continually grow. And unfortunately, not all decisions are, are the best decisions in the world, but things happen, you know, and, and we have an opportunity to, to confront ourselves, to really understand things from a different level. Um, and I think this presented you an opportunity in your life, Tony, where it's like, you could take a step back and go, wow, you know, here I am. Am I, do I love myself? Right. Do I, what do I see for my future? Who, who am I at this point in my life? Is that kind of where I'm, where I'm seeing you're at right now? Yeah. And I think more than anything, just that there's something inside that's speaking that these, these two things can't coexist. And and I would put it like this, like you literally are wearing a mask that you don't feel like you can possibly walk another step wearing that mask. 
living that phony life is yeah. safer and stuff. It, it is safer in, in a lot of ways for a short amount of time, but the amazing feeling of liberation when you lift that off is there, there's just nothing, there's nothing else like it. Yeah. The, here's the crazy thing. Every single one of us is carrying around secrets. Like nobody has their completely. No kidding. But when you start telling that story and you start figuring out what everybody's things are, you realize that it's a, it's a part of being human nature. And if we don't have to walk around with these burdens and stuff like that, we get to focus so much of our energy on something else. And we don't have to focus on holding up this mask. We get to focus on the beautiful part of the world and, and the liberating feeling. And when we come to an understanding of that right there that you just explained, that becomes the greatest part of us because then we can take that experience of living that lie or hiding that shame or, or whatever it is that we finally are willing to accept and approach. And then it, it, it liberates us. It frees us. It's exactly like you said before we started recording. It's the most liberating feeling in the world. And when we love ourselves for who we are, all the, you know, the nitty gritty, if you will, from the best, the best, the worst, the worst of ourselves, we understand ourselves and we love ourselves. And then we're able to help other people um, and connect. And, And I think more importantly than help, I think connecting, when we connect with other people, we can understand other people, which leads us to helping each other in a way. It's a, it's a lift, it's a lift together kind of a thing. So well and, said. And, and you get to, you get to see other people who, who they really are. And you know that they're seeing you for who you are. Yes. There's, there's an authenticity that I think that we all have kind of inside of us. We know when we're lying, we know when we're not. And when we sort of honor that part of us, that's no longer lying or that's telling the truth, like that feels good, whether the rest of the world acknowledges it or not. If you know, you told the truth, there's something quiet that speaks to you. Um, essentially like think of it like this. If we have a tank full of gas and 90% of it is spent, you know, driving around in circles and stuff like that, we're not going to get to go anywhere. But when we kind of break that loop and get a go spend it on actually making some miles and going to or towards a destination. Like it's pretty amazing what we're capable of doing when we put that energy into a purpose. Amen, man. Well said. I I will say though, that that seed that was kind of planted, um, it it, it took a long time to kind of work itself out. I had other marriages that I went through and I I essentially repeated the same cycle um, multiple times and found myself uh, after the third marriage, I, actually got married to a a very beautiful woman. She was, you know, funny and stuff like that. But this was like the most pivotal moment in my life. It wasn't the thing that planted the seed, but it was where I picked the fruit for the first time. I was living a pretty happy life. I had, I was owning my own house and stuff like that and had a place where my kids were growing up. And I was very happy about everything that was being cultivated and stuff like that. But that friction um, was still there. I had gained a lot of weight since I went through the military. This wasn't just for my third marriage, but there was just a lot of things I was hiding behind. And I think, you know, food became one of it. Um, There was a period where uh, addiction to pornography and tapping into that was, was definitely a part of my life and stuff like that. But what I realized looking back are all of these things were to fill a void. 
And the void that I wasn't seeing was why was I so uncomfortable? What was going on? And there was, to be perfectly honest, there were things in my past that I had to come to terms with. And, and a lot of them had to do with deal with my parents. To be kind of general, once I got divorced, I actually went on a couple of trips and I went down to Peru for 10 days and just surrendered to the universe and let what happened happen. And I, I found this beautiful ability to forgive the people in my life who I felt had done me harm, which for better or for worse, it was really just stuff that was happening to me. And what I realized was very interesting. My looked up to my mom a lot, like appreciated her. I didn't live with her all the time, but she always made time for me. And I was very hard on my dad, very hard on the way, like we grew up and, you know, he had rules and stuff like that. I was very hard on him. So there was this day where I kind of looked at masculinity and I realized how embarrassed I was at masculinity in a lot of ways, like the bravado that men need to walk around with and stuff like that. The, the shaming of other people, like the bullying and stuff like that. And I was very embarrassed and kind of disappointed with the way I felt masculinity was in general and stuff like that. And I realized that it had come a lot from like my experiences with, with men, just even growing up and stuff like that. So I, what was really interesting is that on day two, I got to look at my mom and, and femininity and I was like, oh, like the feminine is great. Like it's beautiful. It's clean. All this great energy is surrounding it. And then I got to take an honest look at my mom and acknowledge some things that she was not perfect about. What was amazing is I realized that she wasn't perfect, acknowledged that she wasn't perfect. And I still loved her and forgave her anyway. And what I did was I took that energy from my mom. And if I'm like, if I can do that to my mom, why can't I give that to my dad? And why can't I give that to all the men in my life? And I realized that I was still holding a grudge for some things that had happened to me. So I asked myself this really important question. Would I, knowing what I know now, would I go back to these people and would I ask them to say sorry? Would I throw this in their face and be like, you owe me an explanation or a sorry for this? And what I realized was, I don't need them to say sorry. I don't need them to, I wouldn't even want to throw some of these things at these people because I would, wouldn't want to embarrass them. It didn't feel genuine to me. Like I literally didn't need their apology. All I needed to do was acknowledge that this was my experience and this is what had helped to shape me and who I was. Once I recognized that, that was all the apology I needed. And that it was really not an apology that I needed from anybody else in my life. I needed to acknowledge it for myself and not even apologize to myself, but apologize to my past self for holding it that in that judgment hostage yeah. sort Ooh. of situation. Ooh, that's, that's deep. Ooh. I mean, that's, that's simple stuff, but that's like super deep, man. I just, I gotta say too, I, you know, I, I have this, my, my, in my mind, I'm thinking as you're saying that those people that offend that hurt you or offended you or did something that that like really made you feel little if you will their mindset at that time is probably very different than what you imagined it to be right like i think i think back to my life and i'm like you know a couple of the times in my my early childhood when i remember getting yelled at or or something like that and it hurt it stung deep right and like i didn't understand if I went back to that person now years later and I said, Hey, this is what you did to me. 
they're not going to they're not going to know the space they were in i remember it as this because it caused something within me but that's not number 1 that's not what they meant to do to me and and number 2 i it's not like they could ever go back to that exact space and really apologize for that exact thing and so i think maturity what you're talking about right now is is experience and maturity will get you to a place where you're able to understand like it's not all their fault. And, and I can come to terms with this without like an expectation of, I need some, I need someone to apologize before I can move forward or I'm going to cut them out of my life like that. Tony, I think, I think you're talking about something right now that is very, this is, this is like beautiful stuff, uh, powerful forgiveness stuff right now where you're almost taking accountability upon yourself to get to a space where you understand the mercy. I think there's mercy and grace here offered at a level that is very, very deep. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think that forgiveness, the way that I've heard it said that I really enjoy is forgiveness isn't to redeem somebody else from justice. Forgiveness is about freeing yourself. Like it's a mercy that you're doing for you. Amen. And, and honestly, like going back to that experience, I'm sure the people in my life were doing the best they could. Like if they could have stopped, they would have stopped if they could have helped that. Like I've been an angry parent before and I've been in that emotional, you know, moment. There's something that happens that I literally didn't have control over. I wish I would have had control in hindsight, but when you don't have control, you're not for, you're not making what happened. Okay. In terms of like a right and wrong thing, but you're being okay with it Mm -hmm. and you're getting to a place where you're okay with it. And I think that that's a really important growth step, at least in my life is figuring out that I didn't need to hold everybody in forgiveness hostage. You finally forgave me for that time that I swatted you when you went up for that. Remember that? I'm just kidding. There's so many times I have to forgive you for. So that's no. like, that's a slow. <laughs> I, I think it was, I think it was the other way around. So I do, I do before we move forward, if that's okay, I want to go to that place in Peru, Peru when you were down there. You said that you, you said that you learned you really had some like soul opening experiences where you truly learned how to forgive. Can you like brief thought on that moment in Peru? Yeah, I there's some context that I'd like to kind of fill in really quickly. And I, I knew what what dissolved my last marriage. Part of it was I wanted to travel and I, I can't even really explain it other than there is a complete surrender of just like I have freed myself from this huge burden. I'm going to go down there and just let life happen. I had one agenda, which is to go see Machu Picchu. And there's a, there's a crazy adventure that got me down to this island in, uh, in the middle of Lake Titicaca called uh, Atitlan. The conventional way is to take a bus. The unconventional way is the way I got there by car, by sleeping in drug-laden cartel cities. <laughs> But it got me to the silent retreat that I don't know how I knew I needed to go there. There's just a magnet that was pulling me there and I can't describe it. And it was a silent retreat that I went on where there was a lot of meditation, a lot of walking, and a lot of silence. And I'll tell you what, like if you have a chance or anybody has a chance to do some sort of silent retreat, I highly suggest it. It's crazy. The first two days, it's just constant chatter in your mind. Like, what about this? What about that? What's going on? And then all of a sudden, 
when your brain runs out of things to talk about, <laughs> there is a stillness that happens over you like water. And it is just so easy to see the bottom of your soul when that chatter has stopped. And I went there with the intention of just how do you feel about feminine energy? And the things that came up were exactly what I needed to solve and masculine energy. And literally it was through the feminine energy of appreciating and being forgiving in a space that I already had the capacity to forgive that allowed me to bring it over into the places that I felt unable to forgive at the time and got to that space literally through association where I was like, if I can forgive that place so easily, why can't I forgive that space? And the literal question of why I can't forgive it caused me to dig, dig deep down and figure out my root. And why wasn't I having that, those things? Because I had not forgiven the people who had done the bad things to me and I was still holding them hostage. Once I let them go, it, it literally sounds so simple, but the hard work was digging to the, to the root and actually getting to that quiet space. And then once I did it, it was literally like I'd been carrying around a hundred pound backpack that I didn't realize I was carrying. And once I realized, Oh, that didn't need to be carried anymore. And I figured out how to take it off. The burden was immense. The relief was even bigger. And the things that started manifesting after that were like insane, just insane. I, I will attribute it to masks. We're wearing masks right now, right? Yeah. Don't you love when you get to go outside and just take it off and, and yeah. breathe like that oh. fresh air? It's it's a great feeling. So if if I can put that on a on a lifelong scale of wearing a mask like that for years and years and years and taking that off, just the simple joy and appreciation of what fresh air, the things you will notice because you don't have that mask on anymore, like fresh air on your face, like fresh air breathing it in. Um the ability to pick your nose, I don't know, like <laughs> whatever, but it's just, it's, it's an amazing freeing feeling that took a lot of, uh, of digging and, and to kind of, there's a, there's a moment that we, that I want to mention at some point that kind of got me to that point. Cause it, it was not a hard, it was a very hard journey to get to Peru. It, it It's interesting. Cause I'm, well said, well spoken. I just love the way you talk. It's you, you do it in such a, uh, it's like a beautiful way of talking. And I appreciate that a lot. I'm hearing very much that you took accountability for you. You took complete ownership of yourself, meaning every feeling that you were feeling, you really dug in and said, why am I feeling this way? Why do I have to stay here? Why am I keeping myself in this space? It's time to release and grow, right? Yeah, absolutely. I if you go to Thanksgiving dinner and you don't like part of the meal, it's not the cook's fault. It's well, hold on. Hold, well, <laughs> <laughs> that, there's an argument that I'll just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you think about it, like it's not even my fault. Like my taste buds just don't agree with what's being made. Like it doesn't even have to be a person's fault. It's just something's not magic. You know what I mean? Um, yep. yep. I, I have to tell the story. I feel like it's, it's, it's the most important part of, of this journey for me. Let's do it. I, so I was married to this woman. We had this 
what I felt like was my ideal life at the time was kind of coming together, but I was clearly unhappy. Like I was gaining a lot of weight. I was unhealthy. I was starting to get back into um, some porn addiction, stuff like that. Um, I was uh, starting to entertain the idea of possibly like creating secret friendships and stuff like that, that would develop. Um, or at least what I thought was just the startings of them to kind of, you know, when you're like, I, I still got it sort of thing. Like you don't want to do anything with it, but you want to know that you. Yeah. So I, I felt that temptation coming on and there was just a point where all of it again, felt uncomfortable and my inner, my insides were screaming. You didn't come into this marriage for this. This isn't what you want. You've already done this path before you've already been here. And this is yet the third time where I'm like literally putting myself in a relationship where I'm doing it for somebody else. So I sat down and I thought, what do I want? What, what is important to me? And I literally listed out five things that were important to me. I want to be able to do physical activities like hike mountains. I want to be able to be financially free and out of debt. I want to be able to read books. I want to be able to write. And I want, I want to travel. I want to see the world and I want to see other cultures and stuff like that. Once I put those five things down, all I did, I didn't say I had a specific time frame. I didn't say I have to travel to these places. I never said exactly what the goal had to look like. I just said, I, this is a path I want to walk down. I started with my physical and it started with walking, turned into a little bit of running, and then it just turned into better diet. And it just really quickly snowballed into what feels good today what will feel good today and just keep checking in with that, what will feel good. And essentially after a year of working on this, I started reading this book called the alchemist, which I, which I believe is this, this most beautiful, beautiful book that is so applicable at any time in, in a person's life. Just this kind of roadmap of how you manifest things, how life in the universe has your back. And once you choose into the universe and once you turn in, turn, into yourself and your soul, how that soul responds to you. And I, I believe that that's what God, that's, that's what God is for me is the universe. And when you tap into that, it taps right back and gives you exactly what you either need to learn in that moment or what you need to grow from. So there's a point in our relationship where I realized that we didn't quite align. And when I asked what was important, her five priorities were not nearly the same as mine. And that was very clear from all of our interactions and stuff like that. And so I'm, I made the hardest choice I've ever made consciously. I've made bad choices before, but they were always sort of in the reaction. I'm like, we need to end this. Um, and what I told her is, I think we, I could be 80% happy. I could force myself to be 80% happy. And I think you could be 80% happy with your life, but both of us deserve more. We both deserve to go after hundred percent. And I'm like, and I don't think either one of us are in a space where we're going to be hundred percent happy. So I dissolved our marriage on purpose. I sold my house. I uprooted literally everything. And I said, I'm starting from scratch and I'm going to start going after the things that matter and mean the most to me. And I'm going to see where those things take me. And it was the single hardest decision I've ever made. And it was the single most important decision that I've ever made because where I find myself right now 
I am still battling some of the demons that I battle. I am still finding myself fall into some old habits and old patterns and stuff like that. And I'm still uncovering things, these, these remnants of myself that I have used to these old voids that I used to fill. Those patterns are still there. The ruts and the tire tracks are still there. And I'm now able to see them and figure those things out, but I am more happy in my life now with what other people might look at as less things. And I've replaced those things with things that mean more to me now on a spiritual level than I ever have. And going to Peru unlocked a lot of what life has to offer for me. That's awesome, man. I there There is something very real and tangible with simplicity. I think the more things we hold on to and the more things we surround ourselves with, the louder that inner voice gets. The chatter is so loud because we're reacting to so many things, right? I remember after my brain injuries um, back in 2009, I, I literally was in a place of, uh, where I had nothing. I had to start completely over. I didn't know for a while for myself, um, if my brain was ever going to get back to the point where I could really do some of the things I used to do. Um, almost like a reset for me starting Mm at at ground zero. And I have never, I I remember riding the bus around Salt Lake city, Utah, trying to get from wherever to wherever reading books diving into spiritual things and looking people in the eyes and trying to connect with people on the bus and on the tracks and wherever I went and smiling again and feeling really good and, and just feeling like I, that's probably one of the most peacefully happy times of my life because I didn't have a lot of things that were pulling my attention and, and distracting me from just enjoying that moment, each moment, right? I, I would ask you this before we move on. Let, let me ask you this. So let's say, let's say someone's listening to this and they're in a marriage right now, but they don't feel that they're being authentic, authentically themselves. And this might be kind of a tough question, Tony, and, and please understand where I'm coming from here. But, but do you think that, do you think that for somebody to start to do what you did, do you have to release everything or, or is it just really dependent upon who you're surrounded by? Do you get what I'm saying? Do you get where I'm going with this? Mm -hmm. Like, how do you get to that? If you've got a marriage and and let's even go with the LDS culture of eternal marriage and you truly believe that um, like I do, how do you get to that space but making sure that you don't lose that? Do you see what I'm saying? Yep. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, essentially, essentially, do you have to burn down the whole house in order to build a place where you like to live? Yeah. Uh, obviously, I think this is I think this is completely dependent on everybody's situation. Uh, I do know that the simple answer is honesty. Um, and and I think this starts with yourself. I think if you can't hear what your partner has to say and you can't accept them and embrace them and love them for what they have to say whether it hurts you or not then there is something inside of you that 
you could look at where honesty is needed. I like um, that. So, so go, go back to that. Go back to that. If you can't look at what they say, are you talking about as if they are saying something to you, like almost criticizing you or saying, Hey, you're not doing this or, you know what I'm saying? Like, is that kind of what you're saying? Or what? So I would take it like this. Like, let's say that there's a, a husband and wife. The wife has feelings. She has wants, she has desires, she has needs, whatever those are. Sure. If that relationship is not a safe place for her to share those desires and those wants and those needs and get feedback, like, isn't that why, more isn't that the religion of praying is basically opening up your heart to God and Jesus and being like, this is what's really going on. And that's why that relationship is so sacred, but also so beautiful is because you can literally open yourself up. And I have to believe that Mormons believe that God and Jesus can see those things without even them being spoken. Right. Yeah. And so when the acceptance is there and you can speak honestly to God and stuff like that, what you're really able to do is speak honestly to yourself. And I believe that God is as much a part of your macrocosm inside of you as it is outwardly. And if you can speak that to yourself in your honest prayers and stuff like that, that is edifying to a maximum degree. So in a relationship, I think that's the start is, can you be honest with one another? Can you authentically listen to each other? And can you honestly listen to each other without judgment. And if you can, there's absolutely room to grow and to fix. Like you've got two people working on something like that. There's nothing that could stop those two people. Dude, that's like, that's like, that's a beautiful marriage right there. That's unconditional love. That's like the place where every single one of us wants to get to. And sometimes we're not even willing to offer that ourselves. Right. Right. So what stops you from doing that? is this fear that you don't want to hear what that other person says, or you don't like what they think. Like if you were God listening to someone else, like you'd hear all the things they have to say and still welcome them and accept them anyway. And because we're human beings, that's a little bit harder to do. But if you could honestly hear everything that they have to say and be able to look anytime a trigger comes up, something uncomfortable comes up that you were able to look at yourself and be like, why is that coming up for me? What's going on there? you don't have to have a specific answer on how things need to get fixed. That's just the way that's the path you essentially start walking down with your partner on co-creating an existence together. I just had a thought pop in my mind. I love this conversation. I just had a thought pop in my mind. Um, Victor Frankel um, wrote a book. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we know a couple of his, his books, but the one I just finished reading and I've mentioned this in a past podcast and I apologize if anyone's listening, but um, it's called Yes to Life in Spite of Everything. And he's and he's talking about um, people's pain and that two people could go through the exact same thing and completely have different feelings from that, right? And they're both valid, like they are mm-hmm. valid. And I think sometimes what happens in a marriage, and I'm, I'm thinking about experiences in mine and and of others that I know, and I'm like, you know, sometimes because we've passed through something it's for example let's just say i've got cancer right and i am sharing that with people i'm getting vulnerable i'm saying hey i've got cancer and people that have had cancer reach out to me and say hey i know exactly what you're going through you got to do a b c d and e that that in a way almost like turns you off 
because you're like, well, like, thank you. And, and I guess it's all about the approach, right? But, but if somebody comes and says to you, I know exactly what you're going through and then tries to like feed you with this, this is what you have to do. That's something where it's like, no, like, that's not like, I don't need you to tell me. I need you. Like what I'm, I'm hoping for is that someone will show up and, and hear like, like, just let me, let me decompress. Let me be in this moment and, and release. And then just validate me. Just like, say, I hear you. I hear you. And, and I think I, I would call that just essentially walking with you because the way they walked and got to where they're at is going to be completely different than your experience. So essentially, instead of telling you how to walk, just walk with you and help me navigate like the step-by-step. You said that much better than me. And I remember a line, I remember a line that Jesus says, and I, th- I think it's in the Pearl of Great Price. Uh, uh, anyway, um, he says, therefore, walk with me, right? Like I, but I think that's, that's beautiful with what you just said, Tony, is it's like, walk with that person. And, and sometimes you don't even need to have the answers. Just grab their hand and walk with them. I love that. Well said. Thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. That's I ran you. into a dead end and you just like turned that into a beautiful drive. So awesome. No, we're, we're walking together. Man. That's, that's right, man. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Amen. I like that. Woo. So, so where are you today? In, in terms of uh, spiritual journey? Yeah. I mean, you, you've gone through a lot, man. You, you've had some, you know, you've had some life altering things that you've gone through. Uh, you've learned some lessons, deep, deep lessons. You've, you've gone through, you know, divorce is tough no matter what. And and you've gone through some of those and, and you've got kids as, as well. And, and I see you in this space right now where I just, I see a lot of joy and I see a lot of the, the words that you express that you put back into our world are very filled with light, really like belief, like believe in yourself, you know, love and acceptance and those kind of things. So, so how, like, how did you get to where you're at today? And, and then, and then if you don't mind, just kind of define where you are. Yeah. Uh, first of all, like I've never really had a space like this where I've been able to synthesize this. So again, like you showing up in this space is what's causing a lot of this to happen. And I think you're doing the exact thing that a lot of people would love is just have people be curious and ask questions and, and let their own wisdom kind of come through. So again, I I appreciate you holding that, that space and stuff like that for me and for all the people listening, you're doing an amazing thing with that. Thanks, man. Um, Hey, I'm just, I'm just, I'm trying to walk with you. I'm trying to, I'm trying to learn from you because man, I I see a lot of goodness in you, my friend. (laughs) Feeling is mutual. I look at life as, as this, this mountain. I've used this analogy with a lot of people that I talk to. We're all trying to get to the top of this mountain and all of us have our preferred way of getting there, a way that feels good to us. Some of us want to be on a groomed path. Some of us love pushing through the bushes and chopping down trees. And some of us love attaching a rope and climbing up a face and we, we all have our preferred method and some people really do well with a map and they want to know how to get there and some people use the map a little and use their instincts like there's no right or wrong way to get up the mountain but if we can all kind of recognize that that's what we're trying to do and essentially show up for each other in a way that helps us all get up to the mountain like i i think that is 
something that's become a really important recognition for me. It's, it's not difficult to practice every day. Cause you see someone like, why are you doing it that way? And it's like, just cause they're doing it that way. doesn't mean that's the way I'm doing it. And it's okay for them to do it that way. I'm sure everyone that has a spiritual feeling, like just has this knowing inside, like something that resonates. It's like you're hearing a song that just matches with you or having a food. Like we don't all have to like the same food for us to have a food that just kind of, that's the one for me. And pizza, (laughs) of course, (laughs) (laughs) um, yoga was a really important step for me because it helped me feel my body and feel my soul meditation, which I think is really just the same thing as prayer. Um, did a lot for me and just all of those were little steps in kind of removing this mask that I've talked about before. And essentially, and I'll be honest and totally vulnerable here. Like there was a time in my life where I'm like out of shape, don't want to take my shirt off. You know, you talked about the mullet at the beginning. Like I literally have no hair anymore. <laughs> um, and that was a place that was uncomfortable. Like, I don't want to be the the overweight balding, you know, 30 something year old guy. Um, walking around and even one of my weight loss catalysts were like, well, I can, con- I can't control the baldness, but I can't control the weight to some extent, or I have some choice there, but just even being okay, like walking around, you know, in public, like exactly who I was without trying to hide behind anything. Yeah. And that, that vulnerability has taken for every single person. It takes a lot of courage to show up how you are and being okay with it. And the more you opt into that bravery and stuff like that, when you look back and I'm like, I just did that and nothing terrible happened. It just keeps reaffirming this idea that you are okay, exactly the way that you are. And the chances are that you're looking at yourself worse than anybody else is. I'm sure if we all looked at a picture of ourselves, other people might notice your smile, how happy you look, your family around you. And what do you, what do most people do when they look at a picture of themselves? (laughs) go right to the flaws and yeah. be like, Oh, I look, look like this, or yeah. this is wrong or whatever. And it's like, that's fine. That's part of human beings too. But if we literally can be okay with who we are and be comfortable with that, that start that inward sort of look and stuff like that makes it so much easier to look outward in a, without that baggage and without that mask and stuff like that. And I think that that has been the key. Tony, my brother, you have a nice dome, my friend. <laughs> if, if you're going to be bald, it shouldn't, you know, it's like, no, I'm, t- I'm telling you, man, I'm like, Hey, that's, you know, like I, yeah, I love the NBA. Michael Jordan's my, my guy. Right. But like that guy, you know, nobody looks good as that guy bald. Right. You just, you got, you got a great bald look, man. It looks great. <laughs> you own that. But, but I was just going to say there's when, when somebody is, truly like being themselves and authentic there's something attractive about that and you feel it and, and it's it can be male female it, it, it's whoever but there's something about being authentic and just being yourself loving your your all your best of you all the worst of you because you know the worst of you doesn't stay that way it changes and those things become parts of the best of you there's something really magnetic about that. Like you, we Let me find ask that you a desirable. Question. Yeah. Let me turn the question on you. Oh, what do you, what do you think when someone's showing up authentically like that? What do you think is the attractive nature? Like, what do you think is so attractive about that? 
it's, it's refreshing to me. Um, the reason why is the mental state that you, and, and well, I guess I, I don't say just mental, but mental and spiritual, and it's a physical thing too, but, but you have to come to a place of love, complete love and understanding to like really to be that person and behave that way. That means that's the way you look at everybody as well. Like it's not just an inward thing. And, and, and this is interesting because I'm, I'm thanks for asking that question. It's a great question, but it's getting, it's getting me to really like dive <laughs> in here. But I think somebody that, that really feels that way looks at other people that way too, like with genuine love and compassion, because if you can love yourself the person that you're around all day long and, and who has these battles and skeletons in the closet, right? Like every single human being does. If you can love that guy or that girl, which is you, then, then you can absolutely love everybody else and have compassion for everybody else. And I think that's, I think that's what is magnetic about them because that it's that genuine look in the eyes that you see that, that, Hey, that, that, you know, you know, when someone looks you in the eyes and you feel like that person sees you mm-hmm. and they actually want to see you, it's not just a quick glance and what are they wearing or, or what do they look like? And yeah, I'm moving on or, or, or like, what value do I get from them? For, like, do I see value in them? Because if I do, I'm going to connect that. No, it's like, I see you. And, and when somebody looks at you that way, it like something happens, something moves, you feel that. And that, that to me is somebody who really looks at you and, and is, is able to love without any boundaries, no matter what is going on in your life. Does that, does yeah. that make sense? Does that answer your question? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and the way that I would kind of add on to that is when someone shows up in that space, it also gives you permission to show up exactly the way that you are. And that permission is not something that comes easily or it seems to come easily. But I, I challenge anyone to kind of think about it like this. You go up to somebody in the grocery store and you're like, I like your shoes or I like the mask you're wearing or I like your haircut. And all of a sudden, two strangers become that connected because now there's permission to be human beings with each other. And so I'm a, I think a naturally authentic person brings that out in other people. And I think it also gives them permission to show up and, and essentially take off their mask. And that that feeling of peacefulness is is rare, it seems like nowadays. Amen. And And are we willing to get uncomfortable and just get out of our own minds and just ask that question, right? Like, Hey, cool shoes. Where did you get them? Why? My my wife and I, this is a funny story and I'm glad you brought that up, but my wife and I, and I won't take very long because man, I love, I love where this is going, but my, my wife and I met two of our favorite people in this world, Cash and Allen or Cash Allen and, and Kinsey Allen at a Walmart. And we're both holding our, like at a Walmart. I mean, people of Walmart doesn't really promote, hey, you meet your best friends here, right? <laughs> but we're like holding our, our baby girls walking through the aisles and we keep crossing paths because we're, we're going down the same aisles, different directions. And, and finally, we're like stopped in an aisle and they're stopped and I look over at him and he's looking over at me and he's got a, a little girl that's about the same age. And 
And I think either he or I said, how old is yours? Right? Like, <laughs> like how old is yours? And, and so we just kind of got chatting and then we were standing by him in line and, and we just started chatting. And like, here, here's me and Cash exchanging numbers at a Walmart with our wives next to us. And their, my, my, I remember Alicia was looking at me like, what is happening right now? This is like, this is not cool. <clears throat> we're, we, we go get in our car and we're, we're about to leave. And I'm like, I'm looking at my wife. I'm like, they're all, they are so awesome. Like, I love them. It's that connection, right? It's that, yeah. it, and, and we had a, a short little conversation, but my, then I text Cash after that. And I said something so dumb, like, Hey, do you guys like sushi? Like, I didn't even say like, Hey, do you guys want to go? Do you guys want to go grab dinner? I said, do you guys like sushi? And he's like, absolutely. Where do you want to go? So, but like our friendship, that kind of a friendship is like, absolutely like a different level kind of a thing because it doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter. Like, like unconditionally, we love you guys. And, and we feel like you see us the same way. So I can be myself and that's so empowering, man. Yeah. And it sounds to me like you showed Mm -hmm. up in that space with the openness to connect with another human being. But then when you connected with them and the doors open, you're like, wow, we're actually listening to the same radio station too. And we are on that same frequency. And yeah, what a cool, what a cool story. Yeah. Anyway, so so now you right now, tell me about Christy and tell me what 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 you guys are doing with your lives right now. Christy is is literally the first person I've been able to have a relationship with where I felt like my whole self, which is so amazing because I know that she is loving the authentic person that I am. And she is loving me for all of my flaws. She's loving me for all my shortcomings, my weaknesses. Um, and she's kind of showing up in that space. And it's not a space where I feel like I'm hiding anymore. And so the feeling of love that I have for her, I, I can't even describe. And it, it's, it's not high school crush love. Like it's this deep, it's when you know the lake is deep. And it's just like, even if the surface is kind of ripply every once in a while, like there is a, a feeling deep down, like that that's pretty amazing and never really experienced that with anybody. And just the amazing way that we even showed up in each other's lives is kind of funny. Like I literally jumped on Tinder for like a week and met her. She's the only person I dated on there. Like I talked to a few people, but she's like literally the only person I talked to. And I literally felt like some divine intervention happened where the only way I was going to meet her is uh, through that medium. And man, just thinking about her, like the way that we match up and stuff like that, like we just match up in all these different ways. And we, that I, I could never describe, like, I, I would hate to make a checklist and be like, you have to hit all these check yeah. boxes, but if I was to Throw make them away, uh, right. <laughs> if I were to do that, mm man, she hits so many of the check boxes. And I think that it has happened because I think she's doing the same work that I was doing kind of at the same time. And, and I feel like she has shown up in our relationship the same way I feel like I've shown up, which is essentially like, here I am without the mask on as best as I possibly can in this moment and like accepting each other for that. And just finding 
finding all these all these parallels and stuff like that. So then when we find friction and stuff like that, it, it's just so much easier to work through. And and I I I'm the weaker one in our relationship in this regard. Like I still have things I need to work on. There is still friction inside of me. Um, and she has this really, I, I will relate her to water. She's a, she's a water sign in the, in the astrological calendar. And she is, she is like water. She's, she's very cleansing. Her personality is very cleansing. She's soft like water, but water is the most amazing element. Like it can dissolve sandstone. It can create canyons. It can wash your baby's skin. Like it is an amazingly potent thing. And that's, that's who she is as a person. And I feel like I wouldn't have ever been able to meet her had I not started to do some of the work and show up in the way that, that I have. So I feel super grateful, uh, feel grateful for that. Feel grateful for her. She's, she's an amazing person. And I, I, I just feel lucky that she accepts me for the way that I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now it's, you know, a checklist. Here you go. Ready? Take off your mask and find somebody else that is taking off their own mask as well. Right. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. that's, that's the well best kind of, yeah. Best kind of checklist I can possibly think of. So I, I, man, I, I think we're, you and I are going to do this again. We're going to circle back and have like, <laughs> I love, man, I love talking to you. You get, you get my, there's a there's a uh, author in the LDS faith. His name is Neil A. Maxwell. He used to be one of the apostles, and he had this beautiful way of talking about things where he would paint pictures. And like I get a lot of the imagery when you talk, and I love the way you talked about the mountain. I mean, I mean that is that is a really great way of talking about how all the different cultures, the diversity, the religions, the the just every background you can think of trying to get to the same place going totally different ways walking mm -hmm. a clean path cutting down bushes crocodile dundee style right <laughs> like like scaling the rock cliffs right but we're all trying to go to the same destination that's it mm -hmm. and 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 that destination is full of love and beauty and kindness and yeah, sometimes we fall off that track. And so let's let's pay attention to the people that have. And instead of judging them and pushing them away, let's pull them in. Nobody make nobody makes it up that mountain alone. Yeah. Like we I, I the one thing I learned from the military is everyone has good days and good hours and bad hours and stuff like that. So you show up in your best hour for when the guy is having his worst hour because he's going to do the same thing for you and why, why can't we do that same thing for each other? You know, man, if we, if we spent half the money and half the energy that's pulling us apart and fighting towards working together, like, yeah, it's, it's crazy what's possible. Why, and, and I love you, you kind of nailed it right on the head. Walk with me, right? Walk mm -hmm. with somebody, go walk with somebody. And, and be in that space with them. You don't have to tell them what to do. You don't have to like show them a way. You just need to be there, willing to walk with them and, and, and just stay there with them. That's like, that's like the biggest part of it, Tony. And I think, I think yeah. you said that loud and clear. Okay. I, I'm going to ask you a couple questions and we're going to be, we're going to be done. Is that cool? Sure. 
Yep, absolutely. Tell me, tell me each day, what to you is like, I got to do this to find light, joy, or put myself in a good space. What, what, are, what is a practice or practices that you have gotten to the point where you, you have to put into your day to get your day where you want it to be? That's such a good question. I, my personality is very like goal oriented and stuff like that. So I used to tell myself, I have to do this. I have to do this. Um, Christy and her friend call this shooting all over each other. Um, I've actually learned, I've grappled with this a lot. Like I should get up and do this and I should get up and do this. And honestly, it became more like, what do I feel like doing in the moment? Like what mm-hmm. makes sense to me? I don't need to plan out a month's worth of meals. I can sense what I want to eat that day and be fulfilled. But I do recognize that there's a part of me, like since we're all human beings, there's a sense of having some sort of discipline means that you create something in your life that you can hold on to an anchor. And I I think anchors are extremely important. So that's cool. As I've come to understand this, the anchor that I that I particularly do is anything that helps me to sort of figure out what's going on inside. So I actually, one of the things I've started to practice a lot is I do this grid on a piece of paper. It's four, four boxes. The bottom left is how am I feeling physically right now? The bottom right is um, how am I feeling emotionally? The top right is how am I feeling mentally? And the top left is how am I feeling spiritually? And I essentially do a check-in with how I'm feeling with each one of those things. I ask myself the question, like, what what do I want to be experiencing there? Not, not in terms of like, do I want to be happy? But if I'm feeling tight, what would feel good to release that? Like maybe some yoga or maybe some stretching or whatever. And then once I kind of do that check-in, I do a meditation. Usually it's just to find peace to kind of clear the headspace. Um, really anchor myself in my breathing and stuff like that. Um, I have a book that I'm reading from. It's kind of a daily book with like a little meditation and stuff like that. It's, it's Mark Nepo. I think it's called awakening the soul that I, that I read from. Um, it just gives me a thought to kind of like circle around. Um, right now I'd like to incorporate a little bit of movement and yoga with that, because I think that kind of brings that full circle, but those are the main things I do. I, I actually force myself to get up at four 30 in the morning before I have to go to work and kind of do all these things, because I know that's the only guaranteed way that it's going to happen every day. And there is a, if anybody's woke, ha, had that experience where waking up that early is in your life. It is a quiet time. It, it's kind of a magical time to, uh, of that space and stuff like that. And it's hard to train your body to do that, but when you do, it's, it's pretty cool. And then you can't turn it off. I'm a 5 a.m. guy, so you beat me. But I, like I got vacation, my wife's like, every day, you're up at 5 a.m. And I'm like, that's just how I roll. Like you, you yeah. literally, like I can't, and I love it. It's my Yeah, I do too. Yeah, it good, is. man. I love, the, I love the idea of balance too. And so one thing that I was thinking the other day, and I'll, again, I'll be very brief here, but I was thinking, you know, we, we focus so much on mental health now, especially after the pandemic year. I think, I think it came to light. It's always been a thing, but it, it really came to light that we've got a lot of mental health problems right now. But I was thinking about this the other day and I'm like, well, here, here's the problem. 
mental health, it can be the fruit of so many different problems. Mm -hmm. And if we don't, if we don't be careful and we focus all on mental health, we put all our eggs in this one basket and we forget that there is a spiritual and there is a physical side as well, then we're just going to continue to be off balance. And, and, Mm -hmm. and if you're spiritually, if your well's dried up or physically, if you're off there, you're not taking care of your health. You're not eating right. You're not exercising. Where, where do we see it? Usually in the mental health side of things. And so by, by looking just at the mental health, we, I feel like we're kind of missing the mark and I feel like we need to be careful and, and I'll, and I'll digress there because that's a whole different conversation, but I love that idea of balance. And, and you kind of, again, you, the, the whole visual, you put them in different corners and, and it's kind of like you, as you as you're talking about your day, you try and find that middle, right? Like what 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 do you need to get from each one of those areas to find that middle spot, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, okay, two more questions, real quick. So the question I always ask all my guests, what is it that those darkest moments of your life, the most difficult, soul-stretching moments of your life, what's the gift that you were given because of those moments? I think it gave me the friction necessary to recognize that there was something behind the friction. There was something that if I was uncomfortable, there was something behind that uncomfortability that wasn't quite fixing, uh, working well. And, um, I I have this tattooed on my wrist, uh, always a lesson, never a regret. The things that we go through are, they teach us and they can be used to teach us and, and I truly believe uh, that if you can look at everything as not what is happening to me, but why is this happening to me, or even not even why is this happening to me, but what is this giving me? Um, even if you can't answer that, it's it, I like the way that that kind of programs me to think. Amen, man. Well said. That was that was that God. That was beautiful. And I and I think. So I used to, I'm, I'm, I'm a recovering alcohol. I'm a recovered alcoholic. Uh, number, number one, addictions can be overcome. I'm a recovered uh-huh. alcoholic. I'm not recovering. I'm recovered. Anyway. Um, what you said is something that like all uh, addicts finally, when they come into a zone of healing, they, they understand there's a root there is something something behind the friction. There's a root to the reason they go to a drug or pornography or drinking. There's a root. And mm-hmm. at first, it doesn't feel comfortable to hear that because you're like, oh, I just really like to, to blah, blah. But amen. There's something behind that friction, if you will. And, and I think it, it takes bravery to get there because that's really like going in and really diving deep into yourself and, and your thinking and, and all that. So love it. Thank you for sharing and, that, man. And, and yeah. And thank you for sharing that. I was going to say too, isn't the 12 steps kind of this, this discipline to hold yourself accountable for coming out of it. And it's not something you beat yourself up over, but it's something that you have to kind of show up on a minute by minute, day by day basis. And that's no different than someone that's not even experiencing a chemical sort of dependency or whatever. That's, that's life. And, and that's something that everybody uh, deserves to kind of look at. Yeah. And, 
and and you were talking about earlier about being in this space of of like love and and i thought i literally thought the word of serenity like i i love that word it's a it's a it's a pretty word um okay last question give me like say your kids are going to listen to this down the road maybe in 15 20 years or or when you know they get a little bit older what advice would you give to them in living their lives probably figuring out your why you know it's a victor frankel sort of thing like figuring out your why knowing your why and going after it with everything you can um I think knowing your why is a complicated part of that process because you really have to understand yourself to really understand the most fulfilling why. And we can say, you know, why I need to go eat another piece of cheesecake or why I need to drink some alcohol. But that root that you talked about, like, that's the why that I'm talking about. And knowing that fundamental why and then going after it and just kind of like surrendering to the universe and letting, trusting that the universe has your back along that path is the best thing I can. The one thing I could say would probably capture it all. I love it. And, and going along again with Victor Frankel, you said exactly how he ends this book. He says, listen, happiness is not the goal. It, 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 sorry, it can't be the goal. You can't just write happiness. I'm, I'm, that's my goal is happiness. You have to you have to be on purpose. There has to be purpose. There has to be that why and that purpose. And 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 doing that will get you the happiness, right? Mm-hmm. Living your why and fulfilling that purpose will get you that happiness. But you can never just have happiness without having that why first, right? Well yeah. said, man. I this has been awesome. And and Tony. I love you, man. Like this is, it's so fun to reconnect with you and have this conversation with you. I've learned a lot from you today and uh, I just love you. I look up to you and, and thanks for, thanks for living a life that's worth like sharing. And, and if, if I, I would encourage anybody listening, Tony's one of those guys that that's going to open your eyes to other ways to look at things. And I think you heard that throughout this podcast as he was talking, but Tony, real quick, if people want to follow you, I know <clears throat> what tell me what your handle is on Instagram again. Um it's uh Namaste Alchemy uh on Instagram. Um I love the idea of Namaste, the honoring of of life and, and honoring life and welcoming the divine and the alchemy, the idea of changing. Uh, something impure into to pure gold. Good stuff. Um, and and so I'd encourage you. You know, if you if you want to reach out to Tony and say hi or just follow him, go go to Instagram, follow him, um, and reach out to him. I mean, talk about talk about stud. I, like always, been one of my favorite dudes in this world, Tony. And one of these days, let's let's please connect and go grab some food or something. Absolutely, you're. This this might not be Walmart, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I I definitely like sushi, and I I I think that you bring such an amazing energy, and I am super appreciative of that. I the way we were talking before, like just showing up in the way that you're showing up, and 
having your belief system, but being open to other people's belief system is such an amazing gift that you're bringing to this world. And I, I could not think of somebody I'm more proud of than somebody who can have their convictions and also recognize that other people are allowed to have theirs and, and do that. And I think that that is a very difficult thing to do, but it's a beautiful thing when it happens and you're absolutely doing that in an amazing way. So I appreciate that. Listen, man, when, when all is said and done, if you don't make it inside those, per, whatever the heck pearly white gates people talk about, if you don't make it inside there, I'm going to be outside with you banging <laughs> and saying, I'm not coming in unless he's coming in because I know you're going to do the same for me. If you're the one that makes it in there and I'm outside, right? Like that's, that's it. That's it, man. That's it. And, and I just thank you. I love you. And, and, and you're awesome, man. So keep doing what you're doing. You are too. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I appreciate it. And Thank you for tuning in to Come Towards Delight, the podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed today's show. I would love to hear your feedback. You can subscribe to this podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or any podcast platform you use. If you or someone you know has a delightful story to share that I need to talk to, please email me at come towards delight at gmail.com.